Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Good morning, Encounter Church. How are we doing? I am super excited to be sharing with you the word. Um, I have a word that's been really on my heart, and I'm a teacher. If you don't know that, I'm a middle school teacher, so... I need you to go back to school for a second. And what did you do while the teacher talked? You paid attention, you took notes. And so I really want you to go ahead and grit that pencil out. I don't know how many people have pencils. Oh yes, there we go. If you have pencil and paper, if you have a phone or whatever you have, I have something for you today. Um, the past few weeks, we've been having a lot of prophetic teachings. Okay, really amazing words that we've been receiving. Today, I'm going to give you something super, super practical. Everybody say practical. All right, that means something you can use right now, right today, this very day. Right after you leave service, you're going to start using some of the tools that I give you today. Are you ready? Well, today's message is called Never Skip Leg Day, A Journey to Sanctification. <laughs> Funny. All right, so I was having a conversation with my friend Evan, Evan Wave. All right, and Evan is a uh, personal fitness trainer, and he was having a conversation with me, just having a candid conversation, and he was explaining about somebody that worked in the same company that actually ended up quitting, and he said he quit, but he was like, I'm confused why he even was in that position, because he never worked out his legs. And we just... It was just funny to me, and it just really stuck with me. I was like, how in the world are you a personal trainer, but you skip leg day? Okay, so keep that in mind. Uh, and listen, to be a fitness trainer, what is required is that you are also fit, correct? You must be fit, right? This means having, uh, right, exactly. This means ex having a balanced exercise routine, and neglecting any muscle group can lead to imbalances, okay? I'm going to connect this in a second, but listen to this. When I was doing some research on why, because this is, a, this is, first of all, a big thing, and when I did some research to understand why people end up skipping leg day, what's the real reason why, I ended up running into these memes online. Anybody like memes? Yeah. All right, so I have a meme. Let's pull up that first meme. All right, here's my first meme. Dear Superman, you look ridiculous. Stop skip, skipping leg day. Sign Batman. All right, let's go to the next one. He lives. Oh, wait. Oh. Oh, yikes. All right, next one. No day is leg day. Poor guy. All right. He was online. I didn't, I don't know this guy, by the way. All right. It's actually me. No, it's my, my legs are that white. But go ahead, go to the next one. Arnold on the top, Flamingo on the bottom. Oh, yikes, poor guy. I'm sure that's Photoshop, but it's all right. We, we're going to use it today. Go to the next one. I am your new personal fitness trainer. My focus is arms. All right. If they say that, you might want to skip out on that personal trainer. Today, you know what? It's an arms day. You know, I don't want to get too big, you know. I just want to keep it nice and balanced. All right, and then that last one. Anybody remember Johnny Bravo? Yes, the most arrogant person ever. All right, friends, <laughs> exactly. Friends, don't let friends skip leg day. Please don't let your friends skip leg day. 
So listen, while I was researching, I ended up researching what are the top reasons uh, of why people skip out on leg day. And number one is discomfort and pain. Leg workouts can be physically demanding and may lead to soreness or discomfort, causing some to avoid them, right? If you've ever uh, worked out your legs, the next day is horrible, okay? Until you get into a, a regimen where you're doing it frequently enough. Number two is lack of knowledge. Some people may not know how to properly train their leg muscles or underestimate their importance in their overall fitness. They don't even know how important their leg muscles are. And number three, people end up prioritizing their upper body because aesthetically it looks better, right? Most guys, most guys don't go up to, man, nice legs, man. All right, we don't, we don't do that, all right? But if we see the arms, it's like, man, those arms, that's right in the masculinity line that we can go with that, okay? And we, and so you do compliment that. And so it's more aesthetically pleasing. Now listen, these same reasons... People skip out on leg days the same reason why many Christians skip out on essential habits needed for our journey in Christ. So let's think about the first one was discomfort and pain. We avoid certain habits because they are outside of our comfort zone, because they cause us to change our schedules, because they cause us to die to our flesh. Number two, remember lack of knowledge? Well, some Christians may not know how to train their spiritual muscles or what spiritual muscles even are. They simply underestimate this and the importance of it in their walks with God. And then number three, remember, is that they prioritize a certain thing. They prioritize the upper body because it's aesthetically pleasing. But listen, when priorities are not in check, some Christians may prioritize the wrong things like their image, actions meant to project a sense of competence, right, instead of focusing on what truly matters in our faith. So in the physical context, the term never skip leg day, we are emphasizing the importance of exercising all muscle groups to achieve excellent overall health. But in the spiritual context today, never skip leg day, we are emphasizing the importance of balanced spiritual habits that enable what we call sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. sanctification. All right. So what is sanctification? Ask your neighbor, what is sanctification? Don't, don't worry, neighbor. You don't got to answer. I'm about to answer now. I got you. All right. So listen, Romans 8, 29, 30 tells us what sanctification is. And it says this, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Amen. God's purpose for believers is to become like his son, Jesus, and this transformation, that is what is called sanctification. So why must we be sanctified? Actually, why, I want you to say this, why must I be sanctified? Let's make it personal today. Why must I be sanctified? And it says this in Romans 6.22. I'm going to give you a lot of verses today, so just be ready. Romans 6.22 says, but now since you have been set free from sin and have become willing slaves to God, you have your benefit resulting in sanctification, being made holy and set apart for God's purpose, and the outcome of this is eternal life. So listen, let's get this really clear. Sanctification is a response to the cross. 
first of all, okay? I want us to realize this because what happens in church is that, you know, you bring a bunch of people with different thought processes and different things and imperfect people come together and we start twisting a lot of things. And sanctification is one of those things we like to twist. Sanctification, we don't do follow these rules to please God. That's not the reason. And, and first of all, doing that is not going to get you anywhere anyway. Anybody ever tried that? You just did a bunch of stuff to try to please God and then you felt empty. You still felt broken and you still, now you're praying and crying like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I keep sinning. I don't know what to do. But listen, uh, in Ephesians, Ephesians is one of my favorite books in the Bible. But Ephesians 1 through 3, it lays it out perfectly. Ephesians 1 through 3, look that, go back and read through that. But it gives us our position in Christ. It gives us an understanding of who we are in Christ. Then after that, Ephesians 4 through 6 talks about the things that we do. It all comes from a response from knowing our position in Christ. So listen to this. Sanctification is a response to the cross that leads us into a life that reflects the very character of Jesus. So listen, why do I need to be sanctified? Because first of all, I'm responding to the cross. I'm responding to what he did for me on the cross. And because of that, that is what leads me. That's my motivation of what leads me into a life that's pleasing to Jesus. Another thing 2 Timothy 2.21 says this, those who cleanse themselves from the ladder, right, from, different, from sin and darkness, those who clear themselves from the ladder will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. So why else must I be sanctified? Sanctification equips us to serve and lead others more effectively towards Jesus. So I need there's two reasons why I need to be sanctified. One being it's a response. I'm responding to the cross. And the other, I can't effectively lead and serve other people without sanctification, without being more like Jesus. It helps me to do it more effectively. So listen, how can you claim to be a fitness trainer when you neglect leg day, resulting in an imbalanced physique? Similarly, how can you profess your faith in Jesus while neglecting essential spiritual habits for sanctification, ultimately resulting in an unfit leader? Okay, I want us to be thinking about that. So, Encounter Church, it's time to get equipped. Are you ready to get equipped? Uh Uh-oh. Are you ready to get equipped? All right, now listen. There are two types of churches. All right, there's churches that gather All right, there's churches that come together and they gather, all right, and they share amongst each other conversation and they they come to get fed, right? That's a gathering church. You just come to eat, all right? But there's also churches that equip, okay? This is a church that equips. So when I say, are you ready to be equipped? That means we're going to take what we get here. We're not going to just hold on to it and get fat and get and eat and eat and eat. We're going to take what we get here and we're going to use it out there. All right, to bring people to Jesus. So is anybody ready to get equipped today? All right, well, let's do it. Let's, let's quickly pray before we get into this. Dear Jesus, I just pray right now, Father, 
that you clear our minds and clear our hearts, Father, to hear what you have to say. What does your word say about my sanctification? I understand that my sanctification is a vital part of my walk with you, Jesus, so I don't want to take it for granted. Father, I pray right now that you help us to have a revelation of what this is. You help us have a revelation of what it does in our lives, and I pray that you open our hearts to receive something new, also to remind us of old. We thank you, God, for all these things. We pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody. So I'm going to give you, again, this is a very practical lesson today. I'm going to give you three healthy habits to sanctification. Everybody say three habits. All right. Number one is daily discipline. Daily discipline. So listen, discipline is the consistent practice of behaviors to achieve desired outcomes. Consistency and exercise and healthy habits lead to long-term physical benefits. Now listen, consistency in spiritual disciplines leads to spiritual growth, emotional well-being, and a deepening relationship with God. Anybody want to get deeper in their relationship with God? All right. Well, listen, number one to our daily discipline is Bible reading. Oh, you saw that coming from a mile away, I bet. Bible reading is number one in our daily discipline. Listen, John Owen He said this. He said, I love this quote. He said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. Keep that up there. He got this from Romans 8, 13, and it says this. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Listen, though Christians cannot eliminate, we can't just take away sin out of the world, right? Adam brought that to us. It's here. It ain't going nowhere until Jesus returns. All right. Though Christians could not eliminate sin in this life, he encourages us in that quote to be diligently, that we can diligently fight sinful desires and put them to death. And listen, how do we do that? We do that by instead of feeding our flesh, right? Instead of feeding our flesh with social media, feeding our flesh with drama, feeding our flesh with TV and movies and all these things, instead of feeding our flesh with these things, we should be consistently supplying our spirit, feeding our spirit with the word of God. It says in uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures, God breathed and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that what? The servant of God will be what? Equipped. So the servant of God will be equipped for every good work. Okay, so if we want to be ready for every good word, we got to be constantly feeding our flesh or sin will be killing us. Amen. All right. Number two is prayer and worship. So the first essential habit is Bible reading. Number two is prayer and worship. Now, it says in Colossians 3, 5, so put to death and deprive of power the evil longings of your earthly body with its sensual, self-centered instincts, immorality, impurity, sinful passion, evil desire, and greed, which is a kind of idolatry because it replaces your devotion to God. And that's where I want to emphasize because prayer and worship are devotion to God. They both express this. They are both intimacy with God and they are both needed to what it said in the Bible, which is to deprive the power of evil longing of our earthly body. And the the reason why is because when we're praying, and I don't know about you, but whenever I start praying, I start to worship. 
And anytime I'm worshiping, I end up going into a prayer. And it's because I'm, I'm having intimacy with God. I'm having a conversation with God. And what it does, I go from self-centered to Christ-centered. And now I'm having devotion with God. All the other stuff that's going on in my life is being deprived. That evil longing is being deprived. It says in Philippians 4.8, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. When I put my attention to Jesus, I'm fixing my thoughts on those things. Okay, so we went through... Two, which is daily Bible reading, daily prayer and worship. And then the next one is holiness or purity. All right. Second Corinthians 7, 1 says this. Therefore, since we have these great and wonderful promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, completing holiness, living a consecrated life, a life set apart for God's purposes in the fear of God. And I could go very far into holiness and purity. I, I love that topic. I love talking about it. But I'm going to talk about uh, something from our discipleship group. Our discipleship group is going through a book called Model Man by Larry Stocksell. Recommended to everybody, uh, all men. Sorry, ladies. I'm sure there's a book out there for you. All right. <laughs> all right. But for men, please pick up that book. Write it down. Remember, you should be writing down stuff today. I'm going to be watching if you're writing down stuff. All right. It, but this book on chapter two, it goes through sexual purity. Okay. This is a thing that messes up with a lot of men. And so in this one, I felt like I needed to challenge our group with a challenge that I also challenged myself with, which was to write down current and relevant boundaries for sexual purity. What are current and relevant things that I can do right now to keep my eyes and my mind protected from evil? And when we did that, we uh, put it in our chat so that we're holding each other accountable for those things. And so I challenge you, Maybe you haven't done this for a long time, okay? Because when I did this list, I realized there were some things on that that's old, that, that thing, my mind has already shifted and changed. And so we need to continuously be learning ourselves and realizing the enemy is a smart dude, all right? He, if you're just doing the same thing, the enemy is so wise, he's going to figure out how to tra trap you again. You find yourself in the same sin that you were in the beginning. And so we have to be wise. Listen to this as I was thinking about this. The list of boundaries should be consistently revisited because the more boundaries you abide by, the more boundaries in your purity you'll find yourself creating. The more that you start and I'm not just talking about writing because a lot of us are great at writing stuff down. Okay, we write it down and we just leave it forever, right? But I'm talking about actually abiding by what we write down. If we were to abide by it, I noticed that I end up creating more things on that list. Why? Because I'm, light, I'm letting light in. I'm letting more light in, which is doing what to darkness? Is getting rid of it. It's showing every speck of darkness. And so I don't, I don't want that in my life anymore. I don't want that anymore in my life. But listen to this. In my experience, when I begin to get looser on what I watch and listen to, I notice my boundaries never change. I also notice that they end up being the same or I just end up letting go of those boundaries altogether. And so in our purity and holiness, we have to understand the importance of this in our sanctification and our being more like Jesus. It's not just a thing. You know, I remember 
it's crazy how trends go. I remember holiness was like a trend or something. Uh, that trend is nobody really is talking about it again. But now we have to understand that church, if we want to see healing, if we want to see these things, if, we, if we're so hungry to see these things, but what, what's happening in our lives? Are we pursuing holiness in our lives? All right, we must learn how to practice consistency in our daily disciplines of Bible reading, prayer, and worship, and pursuing holiness. It is vital to our sanctification. All right, so number one, daily discipline. Here's our second one, character development. Uh-oh. Character, character, character. It says in Proverbs 22.1, a good name is more desirable than great riches to be esteemed is better than silver or gold. I know we live in a world, in a culture, that says people's opinions about you doesn't matter, but the Bible says otherwise. Your character does matter. He said it matters more than riches. It matters more than your status. It matters more than how much money you make. It matters more than how many people you know. Blah, blah, blah. That's going to burn. When we leave this earth, it's all going to burn. But what's going to remain is what did you, what was your character like? Okay, and I noticed this, you know, as a teacher, if there's any more teachers in the house, they'll understand this, but we have a gift of observation. We're really good at being in a place and observing and not only learning the things that are issues, but we know the things that are working. We know how to make a plan to keep it working. And we also know issues and how to come up with a plan. This is what's going on in our minds all the time. So you're always thinking about this. And so what I did is I've taken what I've observed, okay, observed from myself, observed from others, and I thought about four character traits that we really need to work on developing in the church. Because listen, character matters. It matters. And nurturing good character is a habit that must be better developed amongst us. Um, a Greek philosopher once said, good character is not formed in a week or a month. It is created little by little, day by day protracted and patient effort is needed to develop good character. And so when I think of character, I go to Galatians 5.22, the fruits of the spirit. It's the best place where I think of, of if just point blank, what are character traits that I must, if I have the Holy Spirit living in me, should be coming out of my life. But I pick four because I didn't, I want to spare you from all of them, but I pick four of those that I notice we need to work on in the church. Number one, love. Everybody say love. We gotta let we gotta we gotta work on this. Listen, 1 Corinthians 6, 4, 16, 14 says, let love and kindness be the motivation behind what? All that you do. Now listen, prior to Paul saying this to the church, he had just dealt with division and quarrelings among the members. He just dealt with lawsuits between believers. He was dealing with selfish uh, selfishness between the, the people, jealousy over spiritual gifts. He was dealing with disorderly worship, right? So Paul, what he's wanting to do is in this uh, scripture, he's trying to emphasize to them, whoa, 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 let love and kindness be the motivation behind all that you do. I want you to think about that in your own life. Am I letting love and kindness be the motivation behind my actions, behind what I do? Okay, and that goes for everybody, no matter what part of the spectrum. Maybe there's somebody that doesn't know Jesus in here. Maybe there's a person that's been following Jesus for years. Okay, you can think about this in every area, in my job, in my work. Am I letting love be my motivation? 
That's a character trait that the Lord seeks out of his people. But with my church people, do I serve with love or do I serve to fulfill a need? That's a good reason to fulfill a need, but that should not be your motivation, correct? Your motivation should be love and kindness. Amen. Number two, joy. And I'm not talking about artificial church joy. Blessed and highly favored. Yes. Hallelujah. He's blessing me. Yes, he is. That person always looking at me. Hey, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm not talking about that kind of joy. No, this is the joy I'm talking about. John 15, 11, it says, I have told you these things so that you will be what? Filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will Let's say that, yes, you would, your joy will overflow like it's supposed to be said. Yes, your joy will overflow. Now, when he said, I have told you these things, I need you to realize what he's talking about, these things. You know, he's just finished teaching messages to the disciples. He's talked about various aspects of faith and love and discipleship. He's been talking about their relationship with Jesus. He's been telling them all these wonderful things. And then he says, I have told you these things for a reason, okay? I've told you these things so that you can live this life and enjoy this life being full of joy. And your joy will not only be something that's contained to you. It won't be just contained in your house, but it, will be, it, will be, it, will, it won't be able to be contained, right? It will overflow to other people and they will see my face through it. So we have to understand my joy does not come from external things because people take that away easily, right? A ticket will take that away quicker than you know, right? You see those lights and you're like, well, now you just, worst day ever. And so that's not where my joy comes from. But my joy comes from knowing where I was. Oh, let's take a moment. Oh, take a moment. Where were you at when Jesus found you? Where, where, how, how low were you? I think about this all the time. I was low. I was low. I didn't even, I couldn't hear his voice. I, I would try to read the Bible. I couldn't understand what was being said. I, I, did, I was so far from him, but he still took me. When I said yes to him, he took me in, and he has taught me a lot of things. Does anybody have a testimony like that where the Lord has brought you through a lot of things? Now, that should make you joyful, and it should overflow your joy unto other people. Amen? So love, joy, another thing we have to work on is peace. Listen, it says in Matthew 5, 9, I never read in the Amplified translation, but I love this translation. It said, bless, spiritually calm with life, joy, and God's favor are the makers, look, makers and maintainers of peace, for they will express his character and be called sons of God. Makers. That means you can go into a situation and make peace. And not only make peace, but you can maintain peace in yourself and you can maintain peace in a situation. Okay? Peace is going to kind of blend into this next one, this other trait, this other character trait that we must develop better in the church. Gentleness. Listen. That's just a part of my personality is over. That's just how I am is over. 
because how you were died. If you say and claim that you have given your life to Jesus, you said, I lay everything down. I lay my flesh down. I lay it all down and I have buried that. So us saying that I'm just that way is not going to cut it. When I make it to heaven, when I get to that moment, when I'm in front of my father, I was just that way, Lord, it's not going to cut it. Okay? It says this in James 3.13. Who among you is wise and intelligent? Who among you is wise and intelligent? Most of the time, the, the person that thinks they're wise, they go, like, oh, me. That's me. I know stuff. All right. I know, I know things. I know how to solve problems. I know, every, I know this. I know this. But listen, it says, let him by his good conduct, let him by his actions show his good deeds with the gentleness. Hold on. I'm going too fast. It said, let him, first of all, by conduct or actions or good deeds. But listen, it says with gentleness, because some people let people see it by their conduct, but they're not gentle. All right. Or humble. All right. And we're going to, you're about to read about that in a second. But listen, let them by their good conduct show good deeds with the gentleness and humility of true wisdom. By the way, that's true wisdom. That's true wisdom when it's given gentle and humble. Now listen, because we always got to have that other side. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be arrogant and as a result be in defiance of the truth. This superficial wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it is earthly, secular, natural, unspiritual, even demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder, unrest, rebellion, and every evil thing and mor morally degrading practice. Yikes. So I have to understand that real wisdom comes from a gentle, humble place. If I'm just trying, even if I think I'm helping I have to understand that the character of Jesus is gentle. Even in his anger, it was gentle. And as you read through the Gospels over and over, you know, the first time you might go like, man, Jesus, man, that dude's no joke. But as you read it, you will begin to see his heart revealed. And that goes back to our daily discipline. Read his Bible. You don't know him until you read about him. And that it takes a journey to continue to do that. We must start nurturing these character traits, love, joy, peace, gentleness in the church. It is vital to our sanctification process. So we talked about daily discipline today. We talked about character development. And last but not least, maturation. All right? Or maturity. We got work in this area too, right? We got some growing up to do in this area. Many Christians often appear knowledgeable at using the correct words and knowing the correct actions for various situations. Yet despite their apparent knowledge of Christian principles, there is often a noticeable absence of spiritual maturity. Listen to these facts. One of the widely embraced notions about spiritual maturity is that it means trying hard to follow rules described in the Bible. Listen, 81% of self-identified Christians endorse that statement. 
And listen, 53%, they, they agreed strongly with it too. In one survey, a church was asked how their church describes spiritually mature followers. And listen, half of the church, half of those church girls simply said they were not sure. And most did not have an answer that gave, it was just a one-dimensional answer. It was very, uh, it missed the depth of what a spiritual mature believer is. So what is spiritual maturity? Ask your neighbor, what's spiritual maturity? Hey, don't, don't do my stutter. I heard that. All right. <laughs> spit, spit, spit. Listen, Ephesians 4, 13 through 16 tells us what spiritual maturity is. It says this, until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of of Christ manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity so that we are no longer what children spiritually immature tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine by the cunning and trickery of unscrupulous men by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit but what but speaking the truth and love in all things both our speech and our lives expressing his truth. Let us grow up in all things into him, following his example, who is the head, Christ. From him, the whole body, I love this part, the church and all its various parts, join and knitted firmly together by what every joint supplies. When each part is working properly, causes the body to grow, mature, building itself up in unselfish love. What is spiritual maturity? From that scripture, we learn, number one, spiritual maturity is growth in faith and knowledge. It's until we all reach oneness, right, in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. Number two, what is spiritual maturity? It's growth in stability and discernment. And we have to work on this encounter church. We have to work on no longer being children tossed back and forth by everything. Every two seconds, there's, a, there's something, you know, this is something I observe in my job. Somebody always got a problem. Somebody always got to go to the boss and talk about their issues because something happened again. And the thing that happened is probably just involves them. All right. It probably doesn't even impact other people. It's just you just consume with yourself. And we cannot be that way in the church. We can't be that way, not just in the church, but we can't be that way as a believer in Jesus and bringing that to other places. This is a part of our sanctification process. We have to grow in our stability and discernment. And number three, what we learn from this scripture is that we need to grow in love and unity. It said, both speaking the truth and love, both our speech and our lives expressing his truth. It says uh, there's a book called Maturity, the Goal of the Christian Life, and uh, the author is Stephen Rankin, and he said this. A spiritually mature Christian is one whose whole character, dispositions, words, and actions emulates the character of Jesus himself. So we will not be a church that doesn't understand what spiritually, spiritual maturity is. That's what spiritually, being spiritually mature is. Are you going to learn it tomorrow? No. It's called sanctification. We'll be doing it the rest of this life. But Little by little, step by step in the right direction is what Paul is referring to in this scripture. 
And so today we talked about three habits of sanctification. We talked about daily discipline. We talked about character development. And we talked about maturity. And back in the beginning of this sermon, we talked about never skipping leg day, right? I'm coming back to that. Because when I I also research what are the biggest issues with skipping leg day, why is it detrimental to a person that is a fitness trainer or anybody? Why is it bad for them to skip leg day? And as I read these things, I realized that they connect to why it's not good for a Christian to skip out on these specific habits that we talked about. So reason number one, you will look ridiculous. <laughs> Y'all thought I was about to be deep. <laughs> I saw your faces. All right, no, that's, that's it. You will look ridiculous, right? We saw that on the memes. It looks ridiculous. It's ridiculous when you're trying to tell somebody else about the Lord, but you don't read your own Bible. It looks ridiculous, and you feel ridiculous doing it, okay? I'm not trying to be mean, but I, I know a lot of people that I'm trying to reach out to that try to quote scriptures to me, and they're not using them right, <laughs> all right? And it's, it's awkward. I mean, I have grace for them because I know that that's why I'm reaching out to them, of course, but there's Christians that do the same thing. We have to, oh, thank you, Pastor, for reminding me of that. Because, listen, in my classroom, in my elementary school specifically, I had a rule called don't be weird. All right? It was just called don't be weird. And it wasn't talking about their personality. I wasn't roasting them. I do roast my students. But I wasn't roasting them in that moment. All right? And so, listen, my don't be weird rule is simple. If you're in a hallway and you're walking outside of the line, you're being weird. All right? You're, You're not even aware of the boundary that I've given you and you're being weird, all right? If you are outside and you're pushing kids down, you are officially a weirdo, all right? I'm not calling you weird personally, but that's weird action to do in this situation. And if I am trying to talk about holiness, but I am not in myself not pursuing holiness, that is very weird. And that's something that you have to work on. And so you look ridiculous, first of all, Number two, you will find it challenging to excel in other sports. Because, listen, your legs create something called ground force. And you need ground force for all sports, okay? You need that ground force to push off, to take off, to do whatever sport you're doing. Our ground force is our daily discipline. Our ground force is our character development. Our ground force is our maturity. And if we don't have that ground force, we're going to be like that ship. Moving with everything that happens, every time something happens in our lives, we're shifting again. Sorry, I can't serve because I'm going through stuff in my life. Not, I know people go through stuff in your life. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying this is something as you continue to get rooted, get that ground force nice and strong, you will find that fewer and fewer things throw you off. Okay? Number three, it's harder to build muscle. Okay? Assuming you're working out correctly... Your lower body causes, creates an anabolic environment in your body that can improve the muscle building effects overall in your body. So me working out here is going to help me when I start working out here. Now listen, it's harder. What you'll notice is that when you're not developing your character, when you're not getting, gaining maturity, when you're not doing your daily disciplines, you're going to notice it's harder to do other things in your life. You're going to notice 
man, that person has such a huge capacity, but I can only do one thing at a time. And I promise if you grow in these areas, it will help you and you'll understand, oh, okay, I've grown in my discipline. I've grown in my Bible. I've grown in these things, and that's why I can handle more. All right? Number four reason, it makes it harder to burn fat. The largest muscle in your body requires the most energy to function. So working your legs will likely increase the amount of calories you burn in a typical workout. And so when we're not doing these three habits, what we find ourselves is trying to work on things in our lives, right? You're going to notice things in your personality maybe that you want to work on, and you're going to be putting all this energy into it, but you're going to notice that nothing's happening. You're going to also find yourself trying to help other people, but you don't really have energy to help them. You don't have the tools. You don't even know what to tell them because you haven't been working on your own uh, habits that of your, in your sanctification, and number five reason, you will be more susceptible to injury. If your hamstring isn't developed and you're not doing hip work, you're so overdeveloped on the front part of your body and underdeveloped on the backside of your body, it eventually leads to injury, right? Because something is overworking. Daily discipline, character development, maturation are essential to sanctification, it's essential. We can't skip out on those because without it, we get a little bit more than injury. It's a little bit more than that. Let's look at Hebrews 12, 14. It says this, continually pursue peace with everyone and the sanctification without which no one will ever see the Lord. Without sanctification, we won't see the Lord. And so it's a little bit more at risk when we're talking spiritually, skipping out on these essential habits. Because it is our goal, it's our purpose that at the end of this life that we not only see the Lord, but our friends see the Lord, our, our co-workers see the Lord, our family see the Lord. And so we must make sure these, are, these essential habits are uh, a part of our lives. Uh, worship team, you could come on up. Without sanctification, we won't see God. And this is certainly not the life that God wants for his people. It says this in Philippians 3, 3. For we, this is us. This is a declaration for us in Counter Church because we can't accept that. We can't accept even a thought that what I am doing could cause me not to see the Lord. But listen, it says this in Philippians. For we who are born again, have been reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, set apart for his purpose, and are the true circumcision who, wor who worship in the spirit of God and glory and take pride and exult in, G in Christ Jesus and place no confidence in what we have or what, who we are in the flesh. It says, but whatever former things were gains to me, this is Paul speaking, as I thought then these things, once regarded as advancement to merit, I have come to consider as loss, absolutely worthless for the sake of Christ and the purpose which he has given my life. But more than that, I count everything as a loss compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him, a joy unequal. 
for his sake, for his sake, I have lost everything and I consider it all garbage so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, believing and relying on him, not having any righteousness on my own derived from my obedience to the law and its rituals, but possessing that genuine righteousness, which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness which come from God on the basis of faith. In other words, what Paul is saying or alluding to is that if anybody has room to brag, I do. That's what he's saying because he's, I'm, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I followed all the laws of the Pharisees. I, I, I've done it. I've done all the things, right? But what did he say? He said he considers it all garbage so that he may gain Christ. Listen, sanctification is a work of God. And so I gave you a lot of different tools, a lot of different things to go home and try and do. But let's not leave this place and forget the point. Because the point is for me to do this successfully, I need Jesus. That sanctification comes from Jesus. It was the cross that gave us that opportunity. I can't earn sanctification. So me going home and reading my Bible every day and doing these things could still cause me to find myself being burnt out, tired, going through dry seasons, all the things that we, we, we say, right? I have to understand that sanctification is actually a work of God. Our obedience to the law alone is insufficient. But it is a completed work of the cross that sanctifies us. We rely on God for sanctification. And in response to the cross, we adopt habits that push our sanctification forward. And so I just want us to take a moment and just close your eyes where you're at. And I want us to, I want us to analyze our lives. I want us to think about the things that are said and I want us to think about what are the areas in my life? What are the areas specifically in my life that I need to make sure I am putting in alignment with the will of God? Maybe I've been slacking in some areas. Maybe I wasn't even aware of certain things that I have not been doing. Maybe there's somebody in here that actually has never accepted Jesus. And I, I tell you, you can't even start moving in the sanctification process until you accept Jesus into your life because you're going to be just doing things and not have the power to do it. Because it's through the Holy Spirit that you're able to have the power to do these things that we talked about. And so before we go into um, anything else. I just want to give a moment for, for those people. Maybe there's somebody in here that has never given their lives to Jesus and you have been finding yourself running dry, running on E. I, I see uh, like in the car, in the E, you're right at, you're right at E. And 
giving your life to Jesus is the only thing that can fulfill you. Maybe you've been, you know, there's a, a lot of gas stations that I noticed that my gas burns quicker at those gas stations. There's certain gas stations I go to and I realize, man, I burnt that through that gas way faster than I did at the other gas station. And maybe you've been filling your tank up with other things, with money and status and and things that are here today and gone tomorrow. But the Lord wants to fill you today. He wants to fill you with him so that you can start moving in this direction of sanctification, being more like Jesus. And so if that's anybody in this place today, I just ask that you just shoot your hand up. If you are here today and you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus, maybe you are doing this for the first time. Maybe you did it in the past and now you're like, you know, I've been off and I need to get back on track. If that's anybody in this place, just shoot your hand up. It's not for me that you're raising your hand. It's, it's, it's a declaration. It's saying, Lord, I am choosing you over my comfort. I'm choosing you over how I feel. All right. Well, listen, when you give your life to Jesus, it's, it's very simple. I love this. Jesus is just, man, he's so simple because he just asks us to accept him. All we have to do is simply accept what his word says. And so I just want you to pray this in your heart for those that raise their hand. I want you to pray that Jesus, I accept who you are. I accept the fact that I am a sinner. I, 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 I haven't done things the right way. But Jesus, I accept you today. I accept your cross. Because your cross is the thing that breaks the barrier between me and you. I accept that cross. I accept that death that you you did for me and my sins. The, the thing that I should have died for, you died for it. And I accept it. I not only accept your cross, but Jesus, I accept your guidance in my life. I accept your guide to lead me in this sanctification process, Jesus. I trust and believe your word. And I also trust that you're going to walk with me. Because it's only you. This is a divine process. This is a process that only happens because of you. And so I trust you in this process to lead me. Speak to me through my Bible. Speak to me in prayer and worship, Lord. Develop my character, Jesus, to be more like you. And, and, and build my spiritual maturity, God, so that I know who you are. I accept you today in my heart. My life will never, ever, ever be the same. 
Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.